All right, good morning, Community Life Church. Man, is it good to see you and to be together today. We're going to be going into the book of Zephaniah. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn into Zephaniah today. It's, a, it's in the Old Testament. I get it. You probably have never gone there before. Uh, last week we talked about don't be afraid of the table of contents. That's what it's there for. So go and find Zephaniah. It's in the Old Testament towards the end of, uh, of those there. So while you're doing that, I'm going to say hi to some people who are watching online uh, because some would like to be here but can't. I want to say hi to Miss Nicole. On the count of three, everybody say hi, Miss Nicole. One, two, three. I want to say hi to Penny and say hi to Carol, who's out there, and uh, just the people that are watching. So grateful that you are a part of the church family. And so I say that because there's a handful of people that would love to be in here, uh, but are, that are watching online. And I know they're staying connected because uh, one, one, one couple uh, brought in a uh, gift for the APS tree. So they're seeing it, they're participating, they're being the church. One of the most devastating things for individuals who just watch online is that they're not participating and being with the church. That's what we need to do, and they are participating as best as they can. So I applaud you out there who are being the church uh, from a little bit of a distance. We can't wait to uh, see your face in the place. So that's wonderful. So hello, everybody. Christmas is a season filled with good things. Amen? Amen. There's a lot of good things that can come with Christmas. We get excited over it. From the little details that are easy to overlook to the big Christmas moments with our families and community. There are so many things about Christmas that can bring us joy. Yesterday, we had a wonderful opportunity to do something within our community and that just brought us great joy. Had opportunities, though, to try to destroy joy, uh, but our joy isn't about circumstances on the outside. It's about what's going on on the inside. And so though we had to make some changes, we were so grateful and we were telling each other, hey, this didn't go the way we wanted it to, but at least we're together. At least we get to do this two years removed from the last time we did it. It's been, it was a great, great pleasure. What things bring you the most joy at Christmas? Just shout it out. What brings you the most joy at Christmas? Yep, keep going. Yep. First service, one kid goes, presents! And I was like, yeah. Okay, we got family and giving of the gifts. What else? Yep. Yep, and worship. Carols, love. Yep. All good things. Keep throwing it out. A couple more. Yep. What do you love most? Christmas lights? Do you like driving around, PJ, and seeing those lights? Raise your hand if you drive around and see Christmas lights. Oftentimes, we'll be driving from place to place, and because I'm typically driving and my wife's right next to me in the passenger seat, uh, those are the two sides of the van. And so whenever we're driving down the road, usually they're either on dad's side or mom's side. And we'll say, Christmas lights, daddy's side, and everybody will look. And we'll see the lights. And we'll look back over here at mom's side. And we'll go back and forth and see the lights. We love seeing the lights and the displays. And some people, the way that they just, man, they have just created a city in their front yard. And we'll sit there and go, wow. Imagine that electric bill. Right, parents? <laughs> Kids look at it and they're like, oh, it's magical. And we're going, well, <laughs> it's, a, it's expensive. No, I'm just kidding. You do you. Uh, but what a fun thing to be able to watch and to be able to participate in. Sometimes Christmases don't actually go the way that we anticipate that they'll go. 
A lot of us will sit around and just experience the joy of Christmas, and we will tend to actually lean more towards feeling like happy. I feel happy. This is great. This is wonderful. Everything around me is going well, and we'll be so excited. But there's some people in here and around our world that are actually not excited about Christmas coming. And it's because of things that have happened in their life, triggers, uh, family. This is going to be the first time for some they're going to go into Christmas without a loved one. This is going to be another reminder how things didn't work out. They wanted it to go. Uh, perhaps maybe just simply exhausted from uh, split time between families. Maybe, maybe you're part of a blended family, and when you have a blended family within a blended family, and then you have multiple th places you're trying to go, that can be a challenge. And simply put, you can get exhausted. Maybe you don't have the means to exchange the kinds of gifts that you want to exchange. You wish that you could do this, but you end up doing that. And that's not a bad thing. It's just there's things inside of you that make you feel, man, I wish that I could do this. And so maybe you're not as excited. Uh, or maybe having to spend more time with those family members that have frustrated you and have actually hurt you. People, you just, you're going into a situation, you're going, I really hope that person doesn't mention that again because every time they do, it just cuts me and they don't seem to care because you've had conversations with those family members and they keep doing it. Everything, everything around you is joyful. If you were just looking at the Christmas ads, if you just take things like Kohl's and Target and Disney and just look at the ads... You would say, oh man, the whole world is great and wonderful and happy. But when you get into the hearts of people, you see that it's not always the case. This Christmas, you might be carrying some feelings, some stress, some burdens that don't feel very joyful. Or if you're not, you probably know somebody who has. So what do you do about all this joy around us when you just simply don't feel like celebrating isn't that hard when people are around you and everybody else seems to have it together and you're, and you're at home looking at your stuff? I say it like this. We typically look at people's Pinterest posts and compare it to our raw footage. And we're like, have it all together. No, they all posed for that second. Everything in their home happened to be sitting right. Like we see these pictures and we immediately start, uh, start comparing. And so we're not feeling celebratory. Is it possible to find joy even when it's difficult? And is there something about this Christmas story, especially that kind, uh, the Christmas story that can especially unlock the secret to this joy? Well, the last couple of weeks, we've been go we started a series, and it's called Good Things and the Weight. The weight, like I have to wait on something, the weight of Christmas. So I put together this generic little timeline for you because I don't think you'll ever forget this. Look how cute. And so this is our Christmas timeline from what we've started to where we're going today. First of all, we started with the Christmas story. It has to go all the way back to creation. That's when everything kicked into gear because again, God did not reactively throw a plan out there with Jesus. When creation happened, he already had a plan because he knows all things, does all things, and is, is sovereign, he's got it all worked out. But then came the fall, which then got our Christmas plans into gear, and we started hearing about this promise of the coming Savior. Then we looked at some of the, 
we'll look at some of the uh, prophets, and we learned from Jeremiah, Malachi, today, Zephaniah, and they kept saying, he's coming, he's coming, still coming, not joking, here it's coming, it's happening, and we're talking about so many years from the time of creation, from the time of creation to the time of Christ was about 4,000 years, and so all this time, they're saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, and people are going, I don't see it yet, I know you don't see it yet, but I promise you, he is, in fact, on his way. And then, of course, we know in the church age that Jesus did, in fact, come. Jesus did come in the foot. God came in the form of a child, and he lived amongst us for about 33 years and died on the cross for you and for me and the, from the dead to conquer the grave. So we know that time, and today we're going to look at Simeon and Anna, the prophets, and how they responded to this coming Christ child. So there's a lot for us to take in today to learn and to grow from. That's where Christmas, that's where Christmas loses a lot of its focus, when we get wrapped up in the stuff, when we get wrapped up in happiness rather than Jesus. All of these plans that, Jesus, that God had planned out in Jesus is, is, is unfolding little by little through the Old Testament, and then boom, right there at the beginning of the New Testament, we read at about uh, around, let's just say, 0 AD. I don't know where do you... And so there's, there's Jesus comes, and uh, he's on the scene, and we can look back now 2,000-some years later at the birth of Jesus. So we discussed that God has a plan. Say that with me. God has a plan. God has a plan. And guess what? You're a part of that plan. He has a plan, and it's because he desires relationship with us, because it's good for us. He doesn't need any more anything, because in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God was already perfect and complete and in perfect union and community. And so here we have the privilege of being able to, in spirit, be a part of that relationship. God has a plan for that very thing. And then we looked at last week, Jesus completes God's plan. The plan is still playing out, but the plan itself in Christ is complete. Jesus is the plan. Jesus was a plan. From the very beginning, he began to give us clues. Hey, someone's coming. There's a rescuer coming. Oh, yeah, he's on his way. And Jesus is here in the form of a child, and we learn from that. Jesus completes God's We're going to learn about how Jesus brings joy. We're not talking about happiness here, which we're going to kind of go back and forth a little bit on that um, as far as that goes. But we're talking today about real, authentic. Hey, Trevor, you want to come down? Come on down here. As we begin, we're going to be going to the, uh, the prophet Zephaniah. Now, in that day, um, there was a king, and I would like to introduce this king to you with the help of Trevor. Can we hear it for Trevor for coming all the way down from the balcony? Because he had no idea I was going to do this. Come over here and stand here. I would like to make you a king, young man. Would that be okay? Okay, okay King, king Trevor here. And so I'm going to give you this uh, kingly robe, uh, which can also double as a superhero cape. So if you ever want to, like, run around. I don't know. Are you told for that, dude? No, okay, you can still be a superhero. And here we go, we got King. Ladies and gentlemen, King Josiah. Let's hear it, yeah. This is a king, people. Now, Trevor's a little bit older than King Josiah when he started. 
King Josiah inherited a huge mess. I'm curious, if you were king, what would be like one of the biggest things you'd do first? Eat. So we're going to, that's my buddy right there. We're going to have a feast. All right, go have a seat there. Everyone, thank King Josiah for coming today. So we, we learned that uh, Zephaniah, the uh, prophet, lived at the time of King Josiah. And King Josiah inherited a huge mess of Israel when he was only eight years old. So he, he had a, a level of wisdom because he sought after the prophets. And one was Zephaniah. Now at this time, Zephaniah was giving him encouragement and giving him guidance and giving him what he needed to make good choices. Because the king was making the choices, but he was wise enough to like, what do I do, right? I couldn't imagine doing that today. Could you imagine doing that at eight years old? It's ridiculous to think, but he got, there was so much going on. So what, 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 what Josiah's walking into here, which Zephaniah, the prophet, was talking a lot about, was that Israel had far gone away from the Lord. In fact, worshiping other gods, or I should say idols, were, was so ingrained in their culture that it was just, it was almost impossible to kind of get it out. He would try to remove things and get it out, but it was so much so who they were that it was this huge fight. And Zephaniah, the prophet, has been saying time and time and time again, you guys don't understand, the day of the Lord is coming. And what he's referring to is that Babylon's coming in and going to wipe them out. And so he's saying, listen, it's coming, it's coming, I'm telling you it's coming. And Josiah's trying to make some good changes. He, he reigned for about 31 years. And during that time, at some point, uh, uh, some of the uh, workers uh, found a, the book of the law. Wouldn't have been the full uh, Bible as we know it today, but it would have been like the books of Moses. And they begin to read these books. And Josiah said, hey, we're going to do this. And they're trying to make good changes and try to make things that are going to lead people back to the Lord. This is Israel we're talking about. Do the right thing. And it was so unbelievably. Uh, Zephaniah spoke on God's behalf to help Josiah make decisions that would please God and protect God's people. Because even after all the times, listen to this, sound familiar? Even after all the times that Israel abandoned, neglected, avoided, worshiped something else other than the God they were supposed to worship, the one true God, God would continually make a way for them to be able to connect again and again and again. And they would, they would even get, remember last week we said, uh, the prophet Malachi, hey, God did this. And they were, the people were going, no, they didn't. When did they do that? And we get the goodness of God. Consider this for a moment. We likewise have times, get the good. And it's easy to do, right? Because we get so wrapped up in what's happened in our world. We get wrapped up in what's happened in our lives. We get wrapped up in all the stuff right here in front of us. And then we get discouraged and we go, God, where are you? When we need to keep our eyes fixed on. That's how we have real joy. So in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of a king trying to make changes and the people aren't trying to make the changes with them, and Zephaniah is saying, listen, you guys, it's coming. The day of the Lord is coming. This is not going to be a good day, Lord. It's going to be a situation where it's going to be just a disaster and danger, and, and, and he saw it coming for years. In the midst 
of all of that, Zephaniah chose joy. Check this out. Now, Rowan read it for us moments ago, and I'm going to reread it so that we can hear it again. Zephaniah chapter 3, this is written about 640 to 609 BC. So before Jesus came, you're talking over 600 years before he came. And here, Zephaniah the prophet is mentioning, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all of your heart. O daughter of Jerusalem, for the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, cheer up, Zion, don't be afraid. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. So we're talking about the people worshiping God and singing praises. And then we hear how he will rejoice over with joyful songs. He will rejoice over you, uh, Israel, with joyful songs. Israel, representation of God's people. When Jesus came and invited us into an adoption with God through Christ, he completed all the laws and the prophet. We, though this was written directly to Israel, we can apply this to ourselves as well as children of the most high God. So he rejoices over his, he rejoices over his children, his family. He rejoices over us. Even when so much was wrong, Zephaniah had a message of joy for God's people. He told them to have joy because God forgives us, because God protects us. Let's take a moment here. Let's back up. God forgives us. I know that we all have moments in our lives where we say, well, if you knew what I did, probably wouldn't love me anymore. Right? You ever have those moments? You ever have those moments where you're going, I know God forgave me, but oh my gosh, if anybody ever knew about that. It's like the idea of putting your thoughts on a screen for all to see. Well, many of us would be just devastated with the idea of, you know, I don't even know why those thoughts come in my head. Well, oftentimes it's the devil trying to plant things and you got to say, take, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I say, taking that thought captive, make it obedient so God forgives us about right now. And guess what? If the person, so going back to the family that may have hurt you, the person that hurt you, they repented, God would forgive them too. Wow, that's kind of hard. True, God offers forgiveness. And this is what Zephaniah is trying to lay out here. Listen, God forgives us and he protects us. God is with us. God is with us. Sound familiar from the book of Luke, right? We will call his name Emmanuel. Find. It's a story of redemption from cover to cover. I'm telling you, you got to get into it and you got to see how God has it all put together. And finally, one day he says, God will send a savior. 
and they're looking 600 some years into the future. They didn't realize that, but this is with a timeline that we have here. And so they're going, man, he's coming, he's coming. Be encouraged, church. Uh, I, he wouldn't have said church, I say church. Uh, but be encouraged, uh, people of God, uh, because he is going to send a rescuer. And then we jump over to the New Testament. Pretty exciting time in the book of Luke. Luke was written about 60 to 70 AD. So we're talking about over 700 years removed from these two things here. And so we have, he's coming to a time where he's here. And we have two prophets that got to see. Okay, got to see the Christ child. Now let's talk about Simeon for just a moment. At this time, uh, there was a man uh, in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout, or he was just a real guy. He was just real. Those people that are just real, man, I'm telling you what, I will have a hard conversation with real people all day long. It's the fake people you don't know what to say, right? Because you're making it up as they go. And so this was just one of those characters that was just absolutely straightforward and was eagerly awaiting the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had received or had revealed to him that before he died, he was going to be able to see the Christ child, okay? Now, scene change. Mary and Joseph, eight days after Jesus is born, have to take him to the temple, right? Because of circumcision and name and naming. They would wait about eight days afterwards to give them a name. So, so then they knew what the name was gonna be because they were gonna name him Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus, little baby, eight day old baby Jesus, the God of the universe come in flesh. This is crazy. And he, they're, they're just holding him and walked up, yeah. Savior world right here. You thought you had to save your world, then they grew up. They really had to save the world. And, and so they're holding his child, and Simeon gets this, no. It's like this Holy Spirit, no. You've been there, but you ignored it. Thought about it, and I should have. Simeon goes to the temple. Baby Jesus. And this prophet, this grown man says, can I hold him? Right today, we're almost like scared. Well, I don't want to hold him. What if I drop him? I get it. This is the savior of the world. You can't really imagine that being on your record. Yeah, he dropped Jesus, you know. And so Simeon would stand there. And prophet, the prophetess Anna. About the coming Messiah. lifetime she got to. She was married uh, early on and in about seven years into her, her husband passed away. So Anna li lived a life as a widow, uh, but lived in the tent uh, her whole time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's how God works it out. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't an oops. I'm just so glad that happened. God worked this out as Anna was approaching Mary Baby Jesus, standing there. And then she got to experience and also likewise hold. You understand what I'm saying here? Like in that song, Mary, Mary Did You Know? When you think about how you just, you're, you're looking into the face 
of the God of the Bible, the Hebrew God, the one that spoke the universe into existence, the one that says, let's make man after our own image, the one that says, okay, now that you messed up, I'm gonna send a savior, the one that actually brought judgment not to destroy but to purify, which is a difference. This is the same God that now is being held by Simeon, I don't know about you. I don't know how they really reacted, but if I was there, I probably would have reacted a little bit more like this. Time for the announcement. Okay, okay people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! What does that have to do with anything, right? Um, we're not talking about Santa, <laughs> okay. Imagine what that's like, the joy of the Lord. Here we're not talking about happiness, talking about joy. Well, wait a second, what's the difference? Aren't we supposed to all be happy? Yeah, the commercials say that you deserve a new car, that you deserve this loan, that you deserve this opportunity, that you deserve it. Actually, we do not deserve. That's why grace is freely given because it's things that we don't deserve, but we fed this for so long. Not going against ads, all I'm simply saying here is that it's not about happiness, it's about joy. So what's the difference? Happiness is a feeling that depends on your circumstances. The only way that you can be happy is if everything works out. Yesterday at Christmas in the Village, we were just, we were so excited to get things going and it was amazing. And then in Northeastern Ohio, we had a hurricane. And so all these rain hit and we're like, how did you have a hurricane? We don't know. But rain came out of nowhere and the wind, the gusts of wind were like mean Grinches running around throwing stuff and just tossing stuff in. At one point in time, our wrestling mat, which, you know, you come down the slide and then you hit the wrestling mat. We don't wrestle. And then that thing flipped over and went. We tried to put up a canopy, which flipped around and hit Jess, who's in charge of our Christmas in the Village details. And we were like, this isn't working out. And so we, were, we had to change things so much. And it was just like, ah. But we decided to tell everybody, well, at least we get to be together this year. At least we're together. At least we get to participate. At least we get to do this. And because we chose joy, right? It's not a feeling, it's a choice. We chose joy rather than frustration because we couldn't control it. We couldn't change it. All we had to do was have it, just enjoy it as much as we possibly could and bring joy to people to be able to just love people and care for people. And so many people love, we have a toboggan slide that goes to the top of our stairs and goes all the way out the front of the church, right? And it's super, super fun and people love it. Adults and kids alike will come down and just shoot down the slide. And it's such an enjoyable time. We could have gotten annoyed and frustrated because our happiness was messed with, but we don't rely on our external circumstances Joy, joy is something that you can experience even when your circumstances are difficult or painful. Joy doesn't deny that problems exist. Uh, joy simply says, oh yeah, the problems are there, but they don't have power over me. Yeah, I still hurt, I'm still in pain, I'm still frustrated, but I will not give up my joy. You can fake happiness, but you can't fake joy. 
A uh, number of weeks now, I had an opportunity uh, to help a neighbor friend of mine. His name's Jerry. Super great guy. He's in his 80s, and uh, he had surgery because he had a fall. And as he was getting out of the car, I had the privilege of being able to help him out of the car. And he had at his walker, and he was moving right along. And he had every right in the world with after having this surgery and, 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 and just experiencing this pain, and I'll give it to him that he's in his 80s, that he could have been a grumpy goose. You guys can be grumpy if you're in your 80s. And as he's just chugging along, he's like encouraging me. And I'm like, what in the world? That's what joy is. His circumstances says, I'm unhappy because he wants nothing more than to be with us right now because he's part of our church family. We just haven't been able to fully meet all everybody just yet because uh, there's, there's new faces and there's new opportunities and two services, but I promise you, he's here. He wants nothing more than to be with us. Joy in the moments that he's experiencing. Happiness can easily be taken away, but joy can't. You can feel happy, but you can actually choose joy. Joy can create happiness. Happiness can. Circumstances. Joy. Happiness is shallow. Joy. What's the biggest difference here? Happiness, something that happens. Joy is something I hold on to. Now, even when you think about this idea of joy, when you think about happiness, when you think about what does this mean, well, let's think about what happiness is not. Jesus never promised to make us happy. Have you heard this? Maybe not. Maybe you think that, that, that Jesus came just to make you happy. He never said that he would make our dreams come true, solve every problem the way that we want him to. He never said that he would answer all of our prayers with a yes, he never said that he would make our difficulties go completely away while we are here on this earth. Difficulty, pain, and conflict are unavoidable parts of life. You know this is true because everybody in here has felt the squeeze of pain, stress, of poor choices. We have all experienced it. That's why we all need the same. Nobody's higher than anybody else. In times when it's difficult to find happiness, Jesus, it's always possible, joy. So this Christmas, your circumstances or your family are making it difficult to feel happy. Remember that God loves and rejoices over you. He loves you. God loves you. It's unfortunate that people have grown up not hearing so when I say that God, your heavenly father, loves you, it's hard to believe. Because your earthly father, and I can attest to this, supposed to be a picture of your heavenly father, you haven't done a very good job. Well, if the heavenly father, anything like my earthly father, you can keep them. Fortunately, even if he had a really, 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 really good dad, 
Even me. I'm a really, really, really good dad. Right, Trav? I, am, I still fall short of the glory of God. So I fix my eyes. Maybe we need to focus on the good things that God has promised us. We're having a hard time really connecting. Joy all around us and that happiness stuff. We're looking all around us. When we see these things and we're having a hard time with it, we can still choose joy even if things are not happening the way that we think they should. So the big idea that we're talking about today is simply this. Jesus brings joy. Say that with me. Jesus brings joy. He brings it. God is the one that brings the joy. Happiness comes from your circumstances, which is shallow and vain. Joy is the only thing that we can hold on to. When we take our eyes off uh, learning his word and receiving his word and talking to him, we, we try to go into that mode of happiness because we try to grab whatever we can to feel better, to feel happy. And then those things are just so, so vain. Joy. So the big idea is that Jesus brings joy. Here's our next steps, because this is, a, this is a great story you got, Pastor, but I'm trying to understand, what do I do with it? Jesus brings joy, I get it. How do I practically apply it to my life? Well, here's one thing. Think about this. How can you choose more joy? Do you understand the, the thing here? Choose. Choose. If we're commanded to be joyful, that means we can choose to be joyful, which means we actually, what, you mean I can be joyful? Yes, and it doesn't rely on circumstances that are happening around you. Do you need to get to know Jesus for the first time? That's the source of joy. Do you need to turn more of your attention to him? Have you been good, but you're trying to really connect with your Savior? These are things we need to consider in times of difficulty, do you need to start a new habit of moving your focus away from the things that bring you unhappiness and focus instead on the ways that Jesus has brought you joy? Focused on the stuff we forget. Brings the joy. So how can you choose more joy? And how, uh, who can you help find more joy, because joy was never meant to like hold on to. Joy is meant to share. That's why it's so important that we get to know each other so we can provide opportunities for joy. Young lady, uh, part of our church, sat in the second row for service this week. Sweet lady lost her son. You say, how could she be here? She would say, where else is there for me to be? But to be surrounded with the church. People have lost dear friends this week. Yet they're here, not for church attendance. Forget that. Nobody cares. Attending isn't the point. Being is the goal. People are here because you need them. They need you. That's what the church is all about. 
We want you to experience the joy that we have as we sing together about that joy. Philippians 4.4 says these words, always be full of joy, full of joy in the Lord. Say it again, rejoice. Another translation, you would probably recognize it in the song, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Always be full of joy. Always look to follow your sin. Always be excited to gather as the church. Bless one another as we... Blessing of the Lord as we... Bless you. Shine his face upon... Lord, turn his face towards you. Me, now go and be the church.